The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. We're heading back to the theaters this week, and joining me is Steven Schleiger. Hello. Hey, Steven. And all the way over there is Rodrigo. Hey, guys. So, we are jumping back into comic book movie land this week. Yay. With the big release from Warner Brothers DC of Suicide Squad. Oh. The movie that released a trailer that I thought was one of the best trailers that I've ever seen, which was our first one Mm -hmm. when it was uh, edited to that Queen song. Was it Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. They've released several. Yeah. um... It's actually, did you guys see that where somebody pointed out that all of like the trailers for Suicide Squad have been following the soundtrack to Wayne's World. Oh yeah. Oh really? Because they do that. They do Ballroom Blitz, which is the one that uh, yeah. uh T- that uh, Asia Carrera Asia sings. Carrera, yeah. mm-hmm. Oh no, sorry, it's Tia Carrera. It's a T- okay. Asia Carrera, yeah. Is her yeah. Oh, wait, Asia Carrera is someone else. Rodrigo, shame, shame. But they're related. They're related. <laughs> um. So. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I think it's funny, because somebody pointed out, I think three songs they've used are actually mm-hmm. in the Wayne's soundtrack. That's interesting. They're also, the way I looked at it is they're using a lot of songs from when, um, in the comic books, when they were most popular. Which was way that's, back. That's interesting. When, uh, I think it's the know. early 80s is when uh, the John Ostrander team uh, took effect. Okay. And that's uh, right around the same time that you had a resurgence of some of this late seven or mid seventies uh, rock music also okay. starting to uh, kick up in there as well. So, so the basic premise behind Suicide Squad is they are a task force of like pseudo villains that have been uh, brought together to do what the government says. Otherwise, they will just kill them. Correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so, is there any more background on comics that anyone would ever really need to know? going into this movie because i do not know no, anything really, about this you really don't i mean comic. everything i mean and that's I, I guess some people are like oh well if you read the comics you'd understand this more there's nothing to understand not really from the yeah. comic books i mean they pretty much explain every character um <laughs> except for slipknot who they kill off like, right away absurd. which i don't think it's absurd we'll get to that oh, in I mean... a, uh, get to that in a minute but they tell you up front hey we need a covert ops team that can go in and do things that the government can't do, and if and if they get caught, well, they're villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got caught, right. and if they disobey what we want to do, we've planted bombs in their necks and we'll explode them. So, straight out of the comics, nothing, okay. nothing, nothing that is going to shake anybody up if they've ever read a comic book. Okay. Um, timeline inside this new universe that Warner Brothers DC is trying to build with their movies. Mm-hmm. It. Seems like this movie takes place right after the events of Batman v and Superman. Super yes. Superman. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. And so Superman's dead. They yeah. show the funeral, all that stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's where we're at uh, through the giant scheme of this universe. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you go see this, Stephen? I went and saw it on Thursday night. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it opening night. Okay. Yeah. And when did you see Rodrigo? 
Friday. Okay, I just watched it Monday night. Um, this movie set box office records for August. Right. Beat Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ant-Man. And Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. How packed were your theaters? Um, to be honest, and I kind of talked about this on Finally Friday a couple of weeks ago, it was dude bro night because all of the athletes mm-hmm. were back from uh, summer oh, vacations, yeah. so they didn't have anything else to do. And so they packed the, the theater. So it was all football players and track players, uh, soccer players, all trying to hit on the girls. So it all was... Right. It was uh, a lot of testosterone in the air. What about you, Rodrigo? Um, well, mine was a little bit more even than that. But uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't... It was I think there may have been some empty seats in the showing that I went to see. But uh, it was pretty pretty close to full. Okay. And I just went on a Monday evening at 7 o'clock. And I was really surprised how many people were in there. Mm-hmm. It was much more full than I anticipated. I, Aubrey even went with me. She was like, I'm kind of interested. Uh, I saw a lot of other couples, pockets of dudes, pockets of chicks. Mm-hmm. Everyone was just kind of there. And it was in one of the major th- uh, theater, th- eight. Yeah, theater yeah. eight. And so it was pretty full. And so I was, um, especially after a weekend of uh, bad reviews for this movie. Well, it did it get, was a, lot still of, very, did get very a lot of bad positive. reviews. But I think one of the things that may have countered that, and the speculation, of course, is the fact that it broke, it made $137 million over the weekend, breaking a lot of mm. other other records, which may have been an indication to audiences of, well, if everyone had seen this, maybe there is something to it. Maybe we should go see it as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess the prediction is it's going to be the number one again this weekend. Because what? Only thing that's come out this Weekend is Sausage Party, I think, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and that's our, so it kind of re- reduces a lot of your potential audience, which I, right. um, you know, this, as DC kind of does more films, they have tended to be um, what I guess we'll call pseudo-violent in that a lot of people die, but you don't see blood and such of that thing. Uh, they're pretty violent. Yeah. I and mean- I watched some probably 13 year olds walk in I'm like well you can I'm like well, this is, yeah, is going to be really messed up it's a, it's a PG-13 movie right yeah. so um, the killings that you do see are either off screen or and this is the this is the case for why this gets a PG-13 is because everybody that they behead all the choppings and the and the beheadings and the dismemberments and all that stuff are not of quote unquote humans mm. they are people who have been turned into monsters And if there's anything that we've learned from John Carter of Mars is you can have John Carter eviscerate a giant white ape and emerge from its gut covered in blue blood as long as the blue is uh, the blood is blue and it's an alien and not a human. So you can get around a lot of violence, apparently, with the MPAA if you are hacking away at things that are not human. Mm -hmm. So for what that's worth, keep that in mind. Uh, so do you want to go over the plot of this film? You want to give kind of general reactions to the film? Uh, so the plot um, of the film is, uh, Amanda Waller has come up with this plan to form Task Force X, yeah. which is all these, uh, villains, um, and, and super villains, uh, that, uh, have been caged that they don't really have anything to do with. And they figure that they can use those as weapons against the heroes or against another threat that may, uh, attack Earth at some point. Specifically, they keep referencing, what if another Superman comes and right. they're not, not nice. Right. And that's, you know, obviously, if you're a politician, you're going to use that ploy yeah. to to freak people out. Meanwhile, you may have some other covert things that you need to do, like have a um, enchantress who is uh, June Moon is uh, possessed by this uh, ancient spirit. Um, and the ancient spirit is a witch and can do anything. So you may want to have her pop over to uh, China or to Iran and have them steal all their nuclear uh, data uh, information. 
Because, you know, you can do that because mm-hmm. you can control her by stabbing her ancient heart, which forces the enchantress back into the heroine. Right. Unfortunately, if that uh, enchantress d- escapes and uh, gets out of control, what are you going to do then? Well, you hold yourself up into a tower and have Task Force S- X come and rescue you, uh, which they do. Um, and in the end, they destroy uh, the Enchantress and they get June Moon back and the villains are still villains and some of them die and some of them go back to jail and it's uh, waiting for the next mission. The end. <laughs> uh, and Rodrigo, let's go back in and now that Steven's kind of run us through the general idea of what this movie mm-hmm. is, let's start talking about uh, intricacies of how this movie kind of lays out and tells its story. Uh yeah, so uh, there's a few things going on. I, I think really the first thing that struck me is that we get the same scene twice. Mm-hmm. We get this like Amanda Amanda Waller pitches the Suicide Squad to two separate nameless uh, like politicians. I, no, oh, once at a restaurant, and yeah. then once that's going, then at the big meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was like I, I want to totally... say we like. Yeah, totally unnecessary to to do that twice because it's the same people. And unless she's trying to convince them at the dinner party to the at the dinner to vote with her when it comes to uh, the big general meeting, it was pointless to have that conversation twice. That's yeah. what I felt with like a couple different scenes in this film. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, are we was this movie just short and they just had to duplicate a the bunch of stuff? Too long. Because um, the movie starts out with. Two quick vignettes of Deadshot and Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. right. and then we immediately do Amanda Waller trying to pitch her thing and get more vignettes of Deadshot, Harley Quinn, yep. than the rest yep. of the squad. Right. So it was very, well, but but not odd. the full squad. It's well, no. like we're introduced to like it's like, I mean, it's it's literally how people are getting paid in this movie, right? It's like <laughs> Will Smith, Margot Robbie, uh, Viola Davis. Will Smith, Margot Robbie, Viola J- Davis, uh, who's playing Killer Croc. And then, like, no, uh, those J- four J- guys guy again, White. and then, like, two mm. other people. And then, finally, by the end, we're introduced to everybody again, plus Katana. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, there was that, that first, the first uh, part of that movie where they're introducing characters was really wackadoo. It should if I, if I were to go <laughs> yeah. back and edit this, I would have said, okay, um, Started out in the boardroom with all the generals and just have her spell out who everybody is. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. just boom, 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 boom. You get all your vignettes that you need to, all your background information, which is not common in a movie like this where you're introducing the villains and you have these bits. Uh, some of the bits went a little bit too long. Um, I think you could have uh, taken out the whole part of um, uh, Deadshot with his daughter in the alley with Batman. That really, I mean, that kind of helps promote stuff uh, as far as motivation for Deadshot's character later on. But that could have been removed out of the piece. Um, the Joker bits and the Harley Quinn bits were fine. But you could have just introduced that all right in that board meeting. Get them all knocked out and out of the way. Then introduce Enchantress. Have her do her thing. Everybody approves. Then things go crazy. And that would have right. tightened that, that first act up a lot. And and I, I think that is where a lot of the, these problems fall is that is not a tight movie. I think when you yeah. look at another another straight up repeated scene is Enchantress gets when Enchantress goes away and they're trying to take out what is essentially what Enchantress's brother. Right. And she leaves. Yeah. Right. That happens in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then we have the middle of the movie. We go and we save Waller for some weird reason. And then um, we're going and then Deadshot finds the top secret plans 
And he throws him at him like, explain what the audience already knows again. Oh, don't worry. We'll show you the exact same shots of it going. Mm-hmm. And nothing is added. Mm-hmm. It was just like that was what this movie was yeah. a lot of the time was let's just go over everything we already know again. Yeah, that there was a lot of that. Yeah. And I can and I can part of me says, well, I can understand some of that because sometimes you need to repeat to the audience and make it clear. But in this case, uh, with especially the um, the third vignette of uh, Enchantress and how she got out of control wasn't necessary at that no. point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's nice to some of the vignettes were perfect, like uh, why they all decide to stop and get a drink. Uh, that's fine. Sure. But then you get Diablo's uh, backstory of what happened with his family. Uh, that's fine. That's that's a perfect place for that. Um, you know, you get um, But, like, f- why not do all of his vignette at that point? Why even bring up the first part? Why not just so, yeah. hey, here's Diablo. He shoots fire. You just show the one clip of him mm-hmm. wasting everyone in the place. No, wait to see the right. story till the I end. I mean, that's, that's what ne- is needed in yeah. this. Yeah. Although his so, was. It's uh, like El Diablo, he starts things on fire, and then they show him walking out of his house that was on fire and him uh, turning himself in. Oh, yeah, maybe you're yeah. right. So, uh, I, I, was, I was talking to... My, I went to see it with my girlfriend, and and she kind of pointed out like a, like a more streamlined kind of like skeleton. Um, and we were kind of talking about that that you could have actually started this as the operation is starting, mm-hmm. like they're already on their way in, and then as characters like jump out on a helicopter and start shooting or zapping or whatever, they can be introduced one by one. Um, and then we get into this thing where they're going, and then as they kind of meet uh, opposition, we get their backstories and stuff like that. And that would have added, like, potentially the uh, an actual, like, moment of tension because we wouldn't know that it was all, like, uh, Amanda Waller's fault from the beginning that the Enchantress got mm-hmm. loose. Mm-hmm. Like, that could have been something that is revealed through the story, both uh, Flag's relationship right. with her and also Waller's involvement in the whole thing could have actually been an actual surprise to the audience, not just to the characters, at which point, again, everything's repeated to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the one thing that you know keeps popping up again and again and again, and I don't know how many of other people are, are mentioning this, but this is a Dirty Dozen movie. And in the Dirty Dozen... Um, you're basically introduced to everyone in the exact same way that you do in this movie, where they're sitting around saying, hey, let's get all these uh, military criminals and make them go kill Hitler for us or go kill all these Nazis for Mm -hmm. us. And everyone's like, oh, that's crazy. That's, you know, crazy talk. And so then they have this whole thing where they're dragging them out of their cells. They're bringing in a little bit of their backstory, but uh, told um, not through um, vignette backs stuff, but basically people describing it. Mm -hmm. And then there's this whole segment in the middle of the movie where the dirty doesn't have to prove themselves by, uh, engaging in war games with, uh, their fellow soldiers and winning so that then they're convinced to go and do this job, um, in, in Germany, uh, which kind of follows kind of the same rhythm that, that I saw in this movie where they're like, Hey, let's introduce all the characters. If, yeah, or it would have if this movie had a rhythm. Yeah. yeah. But introduce the characters, show them what they can do, and then put them into mm-hmm. the danger zone. Uh, so it, it kind of, I, I can see where they were going with it. It just wasn't, it wasn't pulled off. And I don't know if this was because of studio meddling. I mean, David Ayer is a, is well, a fairly solid yeah. director. And that's what I want to bring up is because when these reviews started coming out mid last week, everyone was fairly shocked. Because there was a lot of early 
like buzz about this film that was gonna be really good. We saw the trailers and they all seemed uh, you know, to hit this tone that we everyone had kind of wanted DC to go with. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you can be, you know, violent or whatever, but don't be so dark and dreary. Um and then these reviews started coming out and saying it was horrible. And I read some tweets from a critic who saw the film back in an early cut and he was on Twitter talking about how great it was and everything. And then he goes and watches the Thursday showing and he says, this is not the movie I watched. Mm-hmm. There has been yeah. things changed. Characters aren't in here as much or there are more scenes have been moved around. Um, and so that yeah. seems very and, and telling really, of a lot of meddling. Yeah. I mean, uh, from the trailers, it's like you can tell that there is a decent movie in here somewhere, even if it's right. a completely by the numbers, like Misfit Band of Misfits mm-hmm. comes together, saves the day. Like there's there's a that movie is under here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Air is, I mean, he's no stranger to military esque um, uh, no. movies. I mean, he's he uh, he uh, wrote Training Day. Yeah, he was a producer on that. He directed. Um, uh, End of Watch was a great police movie. If no one has seen mm-hmm. that, that is fantastic. Um, he did Harsh Times. He he was he wrote the screenplay for U five seven one. The update the dad. He did the first draft of or the first uh, Fast and Furious movie. SWAT, Dark Blue, all this stuff. So yeah, he, then he has. And he this, just did the big tank movie, didn't he? Yeah, did he just yeah. do Fury. Yeah, he just did Fury yeah. as well. So he's got this background. So it's really amazing to see this and see that there is some really cool spectacular stuff going on like the Joker or uh, Harley Quinn pow you just see all these graphics and curly mm-hmm. cool oh the graphics are amazing see all this stuff popping up about her background and stuff and then it's just like somebody was like nah take 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 that out for everybody else except for our three main characters and well you know what on. it was just really you know what weird it is. as far as the editing goes it's not it's not that they were like take this out for everybody else is that this got added, and I hate to be one of those guys that speculates about this, but this got added past, like post Deadpool. They were like, "This uh-huh. movie is gonna kick our butts. We need to Deadpool this up." And the way that the Deadpooled it up was to Scott Pilgrim it. Well, if that's the case, that a lot of those, sense. a lot of that videos, a lot of those, um, the effects for the intros of the characters were not that hard. Those could have yeah. been knocked out in an mm-hmm. afternoon. Uh, and so um, they could have had one for every every character in there. It, it just really the whole first act up until the part where they they crash the helicopter and start mm-hmm. through Midway City up until that part. That needs to be totally reworked. Yeah. From there on, it's just your it's just the a military people doing military things. type. Movie. It needs to be. This is how Rodrigo, you said your girlfriend was like, it should be jumping out of the plane, introducing everyone. Right. And they go through the whole thing, yep. and they do that. It's like, and they yeah, do all they that. Jump out of the plane, and yeah, cut cut backs to Amanda Waller at the uh, generals' meeting, introducing no, each one of them. No, blah, or, blah 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 blah. Or do it like this: jump out of the plane, introduce everyone, while while yep. she's still she's introducing everyone, and then who they're saving is everyone in that freaking tower, mm-hmm. not just Amanda Waller. Right. Who then, for some reason, she's like, "Oh so, wait, look at look how great these are. They're all going to save us now." Boom! They walk in. We're all saved. And then they do like some other mission. Yeah. That's what like that would have been way better because them going in and storming that building and then saving Waller mm-hmm. was 
so, so she's an asset. It was, she's an asset that the military sure. needs back. No, I agree. Right. But it was like such a weird scene yeah. once they get there. And, she's and like, it was. Because... She's like, oh, look, let's get out of here. Uh, I'm going to shoot six FBI agents because they know, unlike everyone else who's already on the mission and in that boardroom. Right. Because the people who were yeah, on the mission were cleared for that mission. The people who were not were I, but it was just like didn't need that information. It was so... Out. I don't know if they were trying to make, oh, she's super badass. They were she's trying to make, her, they were trying to make like, her more badass. That made no sense to me. It, well, it was it was unnecessary, again, but at the like same point, every... from her standpoint, that's she needs to cover her ass in that and cover the whole mission's ass because if it got out that the military had hired or had uh, basically forced these people into service, it would have been a huge backlash. So that's, that's the reason. Even, I mean... Even that reveal is, again, pretty weak because by the time that uh, we like the, the, the main characters find out that it's her, we already know that. We mm-hmm. are introduced to that fact prior to that, but not so long prior to that that it builds tension again. Mm-hmm. It's right. like five minutes before she walks out onto that room and... We see that shot of everybody being upset at her, except for Mar- Margot Robbie, because we exclusively see her butt throughout the movie. Um, like, we already know that. We're not yeah. surprised and upset along with the characters. And, and the only justification for that is there's audience knowledge and then there's character knowledge, right? Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing that if you're trying to make some more suspense, then you, you remove the audience from that, from that knowledge mm-hmm. as well. Um, yep. And there's a way of doing it. And, and maybe the first cut of that movie actually did it. And unfortunately, David Ayer has come out and says, well, the only cut, there will not be a director's cut of this movie. The only cut is the one that I approved. And that's the one that you're seeing right now. I just, I can't believe that. No. I just can't I, believe that. That seems so odd of how it's just gone together. And I would say, like, I mean, he approved the cut, sure. Like, the directing, I thought, was great. I thought a lot of the characters Mm-hmm. Were uh, I thought I really liked Deadpool's character. I thought some of his backstory was unnecessary. Uh, Deadshot or Deadshot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Harley Quinn was great. The mm-hmm. Joker was. Um, I thought it was. I mean, it, no. I, I, think I really the liked the Joker, is, but I thought they used him oh, too God, much. No. The the problem is that everyone is, and this is the problem that Jared Leto was was uh, going into in this movie. Everyone's going to compare him to Heath Ledger. That's the only that's his biggest problem is no matter what he does, no matter what he does. No, because Heath Ledger, everyone was like, oh, well, he'll never be better than Jack Nicholson in the original Batman movie. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And then even when Jack was uh, the Joker, people were like, oh, you mean he's going to be like Cesar Romero? Oh, that's going to be awful. Right. So every person who's played the Joker has had to deal with the ghost of the Joker before. And I'm being metaphorical, not literal here in this case. Uh, yeah, so sure. no matter what Jared Leto did, <laughs> he was going to be compared to Heath Ledger. I think his his Joker was fine. I mean, I think his Joker was definitely a take on on that interpretation of the character of being a psychopath, of being a modern day psychopath. And I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was fantastic, but I thought it was I thought it was fine. And you didn't like Joker Rodrigo? No, I I think like. The Leto's Joker just seems like uh, what it's like. I feel like they they went to like somebody's sixth grade class and just like 
They're like, okay, kids, start shouting out things that crazy people do. And they're like, ah, uh, they have tattoos on their face. It's like, ah, uh, they laugh really weird. It's like they shoot people for no reason. It's like they're okay, bad safe, at safe, safe for the safe for the tattoos on the face. You've described what the Joker does in every appearance that he has ever made. He does crazy things. He laughs yeah. really weird. He shoots people for no reason, which he does. Yeah, that. That uh, that lap dance scene that was weird. That's new. that was weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That, yeah. Yeah. Don't like. Yeah. That was that was odd. I I enjoyed his character. I thought he should have not really been in the movie. I, I thought I they should have just done flashbacks and then right at the very end. Yeah, I would have reduced it a I lot think, more. But the problem is, and here's the I here's the in, real uh, problem with this with this movie is I've talked before that the. Um, uh, Warner Brothers Animation has done a Suicide Squad movie before. Mm-hmm. And in that movie, the Joker unintentionally plays a major role in the film um, and is basically the obstacle that everyone has to get over so that Amanda Waller can get to her uh, final objective, which I won't spoil it for you. But the Joker's in that movie a heck of a lot more than he should have been there and is just as 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 frightening. And I unfortunately, as much as I bagged on and was kind of dismissive and put down the animated movie, it's a heck of a lot better than this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, so if what anybody wants to see a good Suicide is, Squad movie, go see that one. Go ahead, Rodrigo. You know, what, what they really could have done is use the Joker as that first hurdle to prove the team. Mm-hmm. You know, to so it's like Midway City goes to crap, and which means there's monsters running around, but the Joker doesn't op- operate out in the open, so he's basically built like a little citadel for himself inside the city. So the first thing they have to do is get past the Joker so that they can get to the monsters, right? Mm-hmm. That would have been a good proving ground for the characters, gives you this first objective, tests uh, Harley's metal or whatever, maybe gets them like into this like, okay, well, I'm going to pretend I'm dead and I'm going to come get you later like in a giant blimp or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um or whatever the Joker does, you know, it's like they could have they could have actually used the Joker to kind of advance this central line of the movie, because I really felt that the Joker throughout is kind of this weird interruption to what's actually yes. to what we're actually supposed to be seeing, which is any of the characters in the Suicide Squad. Right. That was my biggest complaint with the using of the Joker is that. It, Joker is this big villain in the Batman universe, DC universe as a whole, but he's not really against the team. He's kind of against Harley Quinn not being there, or well, like he's he, not, he, just, he just Harley Quinn not being there. He's, I mean, he, he wants this, Harley Quinn with him. Yeah, he wants and, Harley Quinn with him, and that's why a lot of people are like, "Oh, I love this romance, this love story right. between the Joker and but Harley Quinn." It, it's like, is he a villain? Not really. Is he important? Not necessarily. Why is he just interrupting everything? Well, the only reason is because he wants Harley back. Well, right? I know, and but like, why? The, why is that that sort of like important in this story? Because it sets right. up this thing it's of like, it sets up this moment of, hey guys, when the Joker finally comes, he's going to de- deactivate all of our our neck things, and if we work together now, when the Joker comes, we can all escape together. Turns out that either Harley was lying or. Uh, it was unintended that when the Joker does show up, he only unlocks hers so that she can escape, uh, giving an ultimate betrayal to her team until she shows up uh, later after they apparently kill the Joker or they think they kill the Joker uh, from his. Uh, yeah, the thing is, crash. though, that through line, that line there, like if you spend any amount of time like picking up 
popcorn kernel out of your teeth <laughs> or like looking in any direction, you will miss that. Like that is like <laughs> possibly the only thing in this movie that was actually understated is this whole like, oh, is the joke the Joker's gonna get us out, right? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um I I mean, and that would have been fine if that had been the play from the beginning and if they had made a deal out of it if harley was like all right everybody the joker's gonna get me out and he's gonna get the rest of us out so let's just like do this or do that or whatever but it's just like it's just one of the dozen or so things that are just thrown into the mix like uh that it's like we spend more time on like that mean guard that we spend with Killer Croc or Katana. I mean, if, if there is a criminally underdeveloped character in this movie, it's Katana, you know, where she just gets like a super fast vignette and like literally Flag just tells you what her deal is. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, you know, her husband died. Soul of her husband in the sword kills people. Um, I mean, that's like such a wuss introduction after we see like Will Smith, like literally try to get in a fist fight with Batman. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, that, I I don't even know, like, I really wanted to like this movie, and I still wanted to enjoy it, even after all the crappy reviews, and I did, Mm -hmm. but there was just so much to be like, why is this happening that it makes it hard to enjoy? So what are are the reviewers saying? That it was just a mishandled, jumbled up mess. Hmm, okay. That's it? Uh, I mean, from everything I read, I didn't read much oh, okay. before I watched it, but that's what the blips and clips because I got from so it. many, so many of the reviews are saying, and and people's complaints are there's a number of them, obviously. Uh, one of them is, oh, how how this is impo- implausible that the military would uh, hire these guys or uh, oh really force these guys into service. I'm like, nope, dirty dozen. Uh, why are these characters working together? Because they have bombs in their neck. Uh, that was that was yeah. spelled out very early. Why wouldn't you think that they wouldn't be forced to do these things? Well, then why would they? Why can't they just all you know sit down and do nothing? Well, because now they're being attacked by glob monsters, and they have to fight for their lives together in order for them to survive. And they know that if Rick Flag gets taken away, all their necks are going to explode. So they're kind of forced throughout this movie, step by step, to do the things that Waller wants them uh, to do, for better or worse. Mm-hmm. So anyone that's yeah, making honestly, those complaints is really weird. Yeah. The other complaints that I see are people saying um, the uh, the Joker Harley Quinn romance is like impossible. I'm like, no, have you not seen that uh, crazy movie with the uh, uh, natural born killers? Have you not seen those two? That's what these two are: is natural born killers. I, I don't, sure. I, you know, people make complaints about movies, but there are literally dozens and dozens of movies that are using the same elements, the same themes, and the same po- plot points. In Suicide Squad, and they don't have complaints. Yeah, definitely with those the. Really, that's what's saddest about Suicide Squad is that the skeleton of the movie is sound. Yeah, it is. There's mm-hmm. like all of all of the beats are already beautifully laid out for you by a lot of movies. You just have right. to like pick and choose your uh, tropes and be like, "We're gonna do this here, and we're gonna do this here. Maybe we'll invert this one here." Ah, you guys didn't see that coming. Yeah, it's it like, ain't. but. It just kind of like stretches it out in weird places, compresses it in weird places, and you don't want to do that to a skeleton, definitely. Right. No. The, It'll fall apart. It, I mean, it's just there are there are literal problems with this movie. I will agree with that. Yeah. But to say that it's that it's horrible is, I think, a little off the mark. It, it is what I it is. I think individually, like there are a lot of really strong 
good moments in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think the first time we see the first Enchantress transformation is great. Oh, oh is my god! Yes. Yeah, it's like I mean, you talk about somebody taking something great from other genres, mm-hmm. other whole genres, right? It's like the whole like creepy girl coming out of a well slash television mm-hmm. genre of movies. Yep. Yeah. You know, and it's like let's just apply it to this character. Works great in a superhero mm-hmm. setting. Mm-hmm. Um, there are great moments in the fight scene. Basically, any time that El Diablo is on screen, he's great. Mm-hmm. Um. Anytime that Harley Quinn is like, anytime Harley's accent holds up, yeah. she's doing good. Yeah. Uh, Will Smith is naturally the thing you want to watch on screen at all times. Mm-hmm. Like, if he's even in the background, you want to watch him. You know, it's like, um, and and it just kind of like it just makes it sadder because there's that thing where like uh, Killer Croc says that he's beautiful and it's like, yeah. oh, this character has like some confidence to him, which mm-hmm. we will not get to explore at all. Yeah. If you want to see a good and again, it's probably plagued people would have the same complaints with it. And I think that it probably didn't uh, rate too high on many, um, um, uh, you know, reviewers. But Focus has Will Smith and Margot Robbie in it. Pulling oh, yeah. off a heist mm-hmm. is really good. Don't, don't lose focus. Is it just focus? No, it's just focus. Yeah, just, just focus. focus yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And it's and okay. it's really good, but I think the the ratings of it are are fairly low. Um, but if you want to see them, if you like them on screen together, you'll like them in focus. Um, the the one thing that I, I was a little disappointed in, but mm-hmm. again saw a mile coming was uh, killing Slipknot uh, in this oh, yeah. in this piece. Yeah. Yeah. And again. I, yeah. When they introduce characters in this Task Force X, usually they have to make a demonstration of somebody, right? Yeah. And I keep going back to this animated movie because I think the animated movie did it better than the live action movie. They all do. There's this whole opening sequence where you're seeing all the vignettes of the characters doing their thing and then they're getting captured by the government. And then they all wake up in a room and the wall is standing there and she's like, look, you're going to work for us or else you're going to go to jail in the deepest hole that I can put you in. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, if you think about escaping... I've put a bomb in your neck and KG beast is there, which is a great character. And I wish they would have used him in this instead of uh, slipknot. Who's mm-hmm. a, not a character at all. Uh, but he's like, Oh yeah, I don't believe you. You're just saying this stuff. She goes, if you don't believe me, just walk out the room. And he's like, okay, fine. And he walks out of the room, his head blows up. Mm-hmm. And that is the moment where everyone else is like, Oh crap, this lady's, f- you know, means business. And mm-hmm. we're going to have to do what she yeah. says. That would have been a heck but- of a lot better than having Rick flag do it. It would have been a heck of a lot better than, the weird things that they were doing at Belle Reve, um, it, it mm-hmm. just makes her a better scene where all of them are just like, here you go. If you don't believe me, we just killed a character. Mm-hmm. That's how badass Amanda yeah. Waller is. And you don't need her to kill, you know, six people in a, <laughs> yeah. in a building to prove that she's badass. And it would have been stronger. Like, the, uh, I think that moment came too late anyway. I think it should have been earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but if it was going to be that late, it would have been stronger if they had given him some character development, if they mm-hmm. had given him a little second and a half like uh, slate like they did for like four out of the seven members of the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's just like, hey, here's a guy. He can climb any tower mm-hmm. and then he shoots the yeah. thing and then just gone. Yep. It's just like, oh, it's it's OK. It's crazy. You get that from what must have been a post-production recorded line. Flag isn't even on screen when he says that. He like says for a second, "Oh, that's Slipknot, the guy who can climb anything," mm-hmm. and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is odd because that character had been cast way early in the movie. Like 
Oh, seriously? Uh, yeah, in the I mean, in the, in, the, in the first team photo that they show, he's in the team photo. And they're listing everybody who's on the team, including which, Enchantress, which is, including Katana, including Diablo. And people are like, oh, who are all these characters? This is going to be awesome. Right, and he's right. in there. And they're like, which is interesting, a Slipknot character. Because like, yeah, it's, it's interesting because they're... Uh... Their advertising team is like really on point. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna build this up," and people are gonna be like, "Oh, I like that guy." And then they're gonna, he's gonna die in the movie, and they're gonna be like, "No, I like them." <laughs> yeah, 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 you know. And it's like, anytime it seems like anytime the 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 actual production uh, threw something at the advertising people, they're like, "Well, we'll just roll with it, right?" It's like we've been doing these like moody, like low, uh, I, I, you know, like. You know that like slowed down cover of a song, like I started a joke mm-hmm. uh, trailer that we saw very early on, and they're like, "Oh, whoa, 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 whoa!" Like this movie is now like wild and crazy. Okay, all right, uh, it's gonna be ballroom blitz, and it's gonna be like all this other stuff, and it's gonna be like, you know, it's gonna be great. It's like every every cent that uh, Suicide Squad made on the first week. It like should go to their advertising team because that's why people went. To- <laughs> oh, that's probably, absolutely! They probably spend at least that much on the advertising oh, yeah. for this movie. Um, so like you mentioned, and we mentioned before, the music for the trailers was one of the big hot points of everything to market this movie. And there is a whole lot of music in this film. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy how they used all the music in it? Yeah, I thought it was fine. Yeah. I, I think I think one problem that I have is, and it worked really well with Guardians of the Galaxy because that was Star-Lord's soundtrack of right. his life, right? Right, right, right. Um, my problem when you're using contemporary music in something like this is oftentimes it can be a distraction. Right. And so when you do hear your favorite song come up and it's playing and you're like, oh, yeah, I like this song. And then you're like, oh, wait, I've now missed something that someone has said or some character development thing that's going on on screen or just more beheadings. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, I'm not a big fan of contemporary music in in films. But yeah. it was fine here. What I mean, you... if, if you're trying to do just a big, giant music video, <laughs> that's what this was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel the same, Rodrigo? Uh, sort of. Um, I feel that some of the songs were like we, and it's like so we start and it's like uh, Deadshot gets a song, and then Harley gets a song, and I think even Killer Croc gets a song, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, I'm like okay, so these are maybe they're gonna be their themes throughout. It's like nope, immediately abandoned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and especially with Harley, it's because it's that uh, you don't own me song, right? Um, and I'm like I I heard that, and I'm like oh this. Her arc is going to be her breaking away from the Joker. He's going to mm. come to her, and then she's going to get away from him, and it's just going to swell up, and it's like, you don't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. You don't. Nope. Actually, nope. That was never mind. That's not happening at Except, all. Except, oddly, though, if you look at the way, I mean, if she's accepted the Joker's death at the end of the movie, or the mid part of the movie, mm-hmm. and she thinks he's dead, when she finally comes back to the team, and they complete the mission, and she gets what she wants in jail... She seems a lot more content and happy that she's done something and that she's mm. not having to worry about Mr. J coming and rescuing her every five minutes. And she seems genu- genuinely at first shocked that uh, when he shows up mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. Spoiler. So, well, but but for real, not really. That one was a, a mile away seeing it. Yeah, but I mean from the you know, character you know, perspective. Yeah. 
I, I, she, she still throws herself at him. Like, oh, sure. At, oh, yeah. Immediately. By the way, by the way, like just such a glorious example of how this movie is like, hey, five minutes from now, this exciting thing is going to happen. Pretend you're surprised. Yeah. Like when they run in their SWAT uniforms, Joker's oh, yeah, SWAT Joker's. uniforms <laughs> says Joker. Yeah. Yeah. So when front, he yeah. takes off his mask, you know, it's the Joker. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah, even that one is like, we know, we know it's going to be the Joker. <laughs> but even then they're like, by the way, a Joker's <laughs> coming. Ah, it's like at every moment where they could have built any amount of suspense. They're just like, nope, here it is. And then you just see a bunch of characters acting surprised. And you just think like, why are you so surprised? Idiot. <laughs> I just want to say, I kind of fe- I felt like the music was a distraction mm. throughout of it because it would use it so much, and then yeah. it's not like this stylized thing. Right. It's like, oh, here's just all this music you recognize mm-hmm. that doesn't quite fit, like the Eminem song in the middle right. when they were all like mm-hmm. suiting up and getting ready to go. Like the song, thought it was weird in there, yeah. and they all and they're all just like mm-hmm. they don't fade in between. There's like songs over, mm-hmm. new song starting, songs over, mm-hmm. new song starting. It was just, I, I think, feel like it was too much uh, for me. I think the Eminem song fades out, though, at the end. I think it has a heart out. Oh, no. They all do. <laughs> uh, the movie has a production budget of $175 million. It has made $280 million worldwide. It probably has about another $150 million that it needs to make before it is completely out of the, mm-hmm. out of the red as far as the advertising. So basically double, double your production budget, and that's what your um, advertising budget is. And I could see them spending about 175 on the advertising for this movie. So they got a, they got a little bit more to go before they're in the black. But I'm I'm guessing from the studio standpoint that 137 million is is pretty darn good. Yeah, I can imagine that they're pretty happy with beating a record that Marvel held at the box office. They mm-hmm. were like, "Yeah, we did it, guys! Cupcakes for everyone!" Yeah, I got a question for you guys, and, and this has kind of come up in a lot of the reviews and a lot of people's complaints that I see online. Uh, why does DC continue to make dark and disturbing movies? Why can't the Suicide Squad be fun? Now, I guess my response I, to that is, it's the Suicide Squad. They're villains. They mm-hmm. kill people. What did you expect was going to happen? I mean, I would push back and say that this movie I mean, are totally they on target? doesn't feel that dark at all i feel like this movie had more humor than we've seen in any dc movie so Mm -hmm. far and does it in a way that is approachable and in the reality of the dark and depressing kind of stuff isn't necessarily i think like this movie's just tonally dark like it just looks dark it's dark darkness on the screen Mm -hmm. yeah I, i mean that's kind of par for everything right now um so overlooking that i thought this movie felt like a step in the direction that people want to see DC movies heading towards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rodrigo, what are, you, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think that if there was one movie that fits squarely into what DC has been doing uh, with the dark and the gritty and the grim and the flavin, it's Suicide Squad. And yet, like right before pulling the trigger, it really seems that Warner Brothers was like, let's make it funnier. Let's make it lighter. Mm-hmm. You well, know, and, and I think yeah. that's that's actually where a lot of the problems come from. So just recently, um, Jeff Johns has been promoted to head of DC, president of DC uh, movies or DC films. I forget mm-hmm. which, what the actual yep. title is. He still has a co-president with, um, oh, now I forgot her name, uh, Diane Nelson. Who is still I the president the, of all DC the actual, 
Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So they're they're co-presidents. He's in he's in charge of the DC Films side. Mm-hmm. Is this a reaction to Zack Snyder just? And I don't want to say screwing up, but people not thrilled with Zack Snyder's one trick pony. The thing is, I, I feel, um, you know, it's like uh, the, the DC movies don't ever get it right because especially the this latest few ones have been just kind of like this weird reaction to what Marvel's doing. And mm-hmm. it's it doesn't work because if you try to copy while simultaneously like pulling your characters in that direction while simultaneously building a universe out of a movie that was kind of like critically very like, you know, ambivalent. Um, it's just like, uh, like not building a house on a good foundation to begin with. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, it just like causes a lot of problems and, and DC, like for no reason, for no reason whatsoever, these DC films feel like they're up against the wall, like mm. production wise, not like the characters are up against the wall. That would be nice. It would be nice <laughs> if the characters felt like they were up against the wall. Um, but it's just like these movies feel like weirdly reactionary, weirdly like they're trying to scramble to do something else. Mm-hmm. The first thing that I've seen where it doesn't look like that is actually that Wonder Woman trailer, except... For the fact that, go ahead. It kind of feels like that first Captain America film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have a I have a kind of a bigger theory uh, to play off of Mm -hmm. what you said, Rodrigo. Uh, So is it tinfoil hat time? No, it's not. It's definitely not conspiracy theory, but it's maybe a different way of approaching. It's it may be a a different way of approaching a story, right? Uh, So I wrote an article over on the Major Spoilers website that I encourage everyone to read. It's called uh, "The Dirty Suicide Squad," where it talks about how movies like The Dirty Dozen. Um, the Wild Bunch, these movies that came out in the late 60s and through the 70s were the young director's reaction of things that were going on at the time. So Vietnam War being hugely disappointing. You have Richard Nixon, uh, you know, lying and, and uh, uh, getting kicked out of the office mm-hmm. um, from uh, from Watergate. Uh, so many down depressing things. The economy was in the shits. And so those directors were creating movies not for general audiences, but they were creating a lot of movies just for young lovers of movies and they were telling dark movies. I mean, this is where we get um, the deer hunter where mm-hmm. we get, you know, just look at everything Martin Scorsese did. Right. Cool, hand Luke. cool hand Luke's yeah, cool. Uh, 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 Steven Spielberg, Thanks, all these people much. doing these things in the early, early days. This was this reflection of what was going on. So mm-hmm. on the one hand, you could look at the dirty dozen and even the Batman Superman films. And you can say, well, this is the, 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 the creators of these films kind of holding a mirror up to society and saying, look how we treat one another. Look at what we do to everything and putting that into a form of uh, entertainment. Unfortunately, it's coined in a, in a kind of a mass entertainment that, mm-hmm. that uh, Warner Brothers is trying to promote. But then I started thinking, maybe there's something else going on in the way that they tell their stories. If you look at what Marvel has done, they started out with movies that are happy, upbeat, full of fun. Mm-hmm. Iron Man. Uh, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, Captain America. You know, all these movies have been generally humor up front, light, bright, in-your-face kind of uh, spectacles. But what's happened since The Avengers? The films, and I, I, I dare anyone to say, no, they haven't. The films have taken a darker tone since The Avengers, sure. leading up to mm-hmm. Captain America Civil War, in which the heroes are literally battling each other over ideologies, very much like what's going on in America today. 
What if Warner Brothers said, look, we can't do the exact same thing that Marvel is doing, even though we could. But what do you as the collective of people, Zack Snyder, what do you think that we should do? Well, what if we show a world that is dark and disturbing and horrific? And as we lead up to our team movie, things start to get brighter. And once we have a team movie, and maybe even by the time we get to the second team movie, we show the world as it can be. We can show a bright, happy future instead of what Marvel is doing, showing us a dark, depressing future for the teams. I'm not saying that's what they're doing, I think, but I think if if, uh, yeah, if, I, if Warner Brothers wanted to kind of turn this around and put that bigger, mm-hmm. this bigger meta experience on this, Marvel has gotten darker over the time, and we can only speculate on Wonder Woman, but it looks like things are getting brighter over the time as we move to a Justice League team movie. I, I, I can definitely see Warner Brothers pretending like they did that on purpose. I think I think <laughs> you're right. I think that could end up happening. Yeah. The but but of course it it wasn't on purpose because what brighter, cheerier, like golden character is there than Superman? And Superman's the one that kickstarts the crap sack, basically. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like the 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 character that is the one that is supposed to like reach down and pull you out of danger, you know, with like the sun behind him, is the one that like hovers out of reach before blowing up a government building, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it would be an interesting turn because if you look, like you said, the Avengers movies being dark and cheery, what would, or dark and depressing, what would uh, a happy world with Batman and Superman fighting together and being like happy and jovial and like using truck repellent or just like just like being. Well, I don't think we're gonna. Well, hope, I know, hope to God I we hope, don't see shark, hope, hope shark don't. repellent. Hope we don't. But like just being, you know, happy and friendly and like I don't know, like I don't know, like well, what if they get to that Iron Man state of just tone of what does? I, it look I don't like think at you that can. Point? I don't think you can make Batman a happy, cheery character, right? No, I, but, I think I mean, you can. Just in general, I mean, you can, and if you go back and even they're, through they're even through the Golden that, Age, though. But, yeah, they are. But in the Golden Age, uh, Batman was very dark, and and the first two or three years of Batman was. Hey, mm-hmm. if this guy fell into the vat of uh, burning liquid, that was his own fault. He mm-hmm. had it coming. Oh, you know, if I don't save you, I don't have, I won't kill you, but I also don't have to save you. That's Dark Batman, right? It wasn't until yeah. uh, we started to get into the late Golden Age, early Silver Age, when we see the introduction of the sidekick terror character, which turns Batman around and makes him happier and brighter. Mm-hmm. If you go and look at um, DC's uh, New Frontier from Darwin Cook, a classic uh, piece of, of comic book literature. There is actually a turning point in the book where Superman visits Batman in the cave and Robin is there and Superman says, you know, having the sidekick around in the paraphrasing here, he's basically saying, you know, having the sidekick around has has changed you a little bit. You're actually not as dark and disturbing as you used to be. And Batman's like, "Mm, yeah, maybe right. And then at the end, they all come together. They put aside their differences. They all come together and they destroy this monstrosity that is going to, you know, kill every living thing on Earth. Mm -hmm. And we reach this new frontier of superheroes who now go about their job knowing that kind of, again, paraphrasing the the enjoy your work kind of mentality of let's enjoy our work. Let's do good to save the world. And I think that on the DC side, the characters have not been confronted. None of the characters have ever been confronted with a world-threatening event. Everything has been right. local. Now, mm-hmm. one could argue, yes, Zod coming in with the uh, the Earth stations or whatever that they were um, uh, was an Earth-shattering event. Well, Superman did what he had to do to do that. 
Uh, but it wasn't a team event mm-hmm. of them coming together and saying, hey, we need to really work together and look how satisfying that is for us to work together. We kind of see this in the Suicide Squad at the end where they are walking away and they're like, yeah, we kicked Enchantress's butt. Yeah, we worked together. Yay, mm-hmm. yay team. They're starting to see some joy in the teamwork. And I think that's what ha- needs to happen with the heroes of the DC universe, instead of working separately, instead of Wonder Woman doing her thing, Batman, Flash, whoever doing all their stuff, they need to come together and be fantastic. Uh, if you look at the TV side, Green Arrow or the Arrow series, very dark, but we get to Flash and Flash is very happy, even though he's presented on all sides by depressing uh, life issues, etc. He still uh, uh, approaches it very happy mm-hmm. uh, with a good attitude. Supergirl is the same way. She approaches things with a very happy attitude, even though she's um, drowning in, in the angst uh, mm-hmm. of, uh, of, of, you know, her being the superhero. But when Flash and Supergirl get together in that crossover episode, it's just like, holy crap, look at how happy they are. They're just the screen is just dripping with joy. You could just mm-hmm. scoop it up and put it in a jar kind of joy. I think that's what's going to happen on the movie side, whether intentionally I mean, I, or I've unintentionally. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, I've I've brought it up before. I think mostly in the major spoilers podcast, but the that Lego Batman movie that's that's mm-hmm. a pressure valve. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. that's people being like, "Oh my god, I'm so tired of Batman," and by Batman I mean literally every superhero being Batman plus Batman just doubling down on Batman. Mm-hmm. So it's like that, like egotistical ridiculous batman is like that that is the hero we deserve um just to to kind of like relieve some pressure from these superhero movies and i think you're right steven i think it's not a purposeful move to a more cheery thing i think unfortunately a lot of it is driven by this kind of like very reactionary like fear that studios have, you know, the same thing that is like, you can't make a movie without a built-in audience. It's like, oh, what are people into right now? They want funnier superhero stuff. Ha, 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 ha. Let's give them something funnier. Let's make Justice League a comedy. Let's, you know, yeah. it's like, let's let's cast a season sorry as the Flash. You know, like whatever you can. That'd be awesome. Um, to, that would be awesome, be actually. Awesome. <laughs> um, uh, listen, listen, Warner Brothers. New, uh, <laughs> new initiative. But yeah, I, I, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's not a purposeful thing, just like it wasn't back in the day, although Darwin Cook very intelligently saw that, right, and basically wrote this cute little uh, like kind of like connective tissue between the Golden Age Batman and the and the like just pre-Silver Age Batman, right? Maybe maybe someday in the future, people will be able to see that and be like, oh, OK, so this is actually what happened. Mm-hmm. Once again, I think, Stephen, you, you've got uh, your prescient. Um, but I, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely not happening on purpose. And, and I hope we get there. My thing is like they can steer stories in that direction, mm-hmm. but actually executing a uh, watchable film on some levels seems to be evasive well um, and I, th- I think we've said this before on on either zach on film or major spoilers or any time that we've talked about comic book movies i am continually disturbed that uh warner brothers marvel studios whoever fox doesn't just say you know what we maybe d- don't aren't as smart as we think we are mm. why don't we go to these comic book writers and actually have them write a story and i hear this gail simone knows how to write a secret six uh, uh, book maybe she'd be great on Suicide Squad or DC just burying the hatchet finally with Mark Wade and saying Mark Wade please come back 
and write a movie for us because you know that those two, either working together or separately, would be able to knock a freaking movie out of the park without even blinking. And it would be something that audiences would be sitting there going, whoa, I didn't know superhero movies could be like this. Right. I mean, I, I, guess, I honestly do. That still that basically still happens because all like all of this stuff comes from the comics anyway. If you I mean, something like it's, uh, the Dark Knight, it's just like the the great Batman's greatest hits from 1979 <laughs> through 19 probably through 2005. Right. It's just or whenever it came out. It's just like, you know, j- like the money burning from the long Halloween and the Dark Knight uh, um, uh, tank Batmobile. And it's just like, bam, bam, like all of these pieces put together in that one put together in a very uh, intelligent, if like exhausting to watch way. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it is just like picking and choosing like the, the juiciest parts of that Batman. Well, mythos. And, and so, well, but that gets into a real problem with any of these movies, right? Is that, um, they're picking moments mm-hmm. where you're saying, hey, remember yep. this giant yeah. bat tank rolling through Gotham? Remember how awesome that moment was when you read the book? And they're not thinking about, well, how does that relate to an overall scene Still, or how yeah. does that relate to an overall story? Absolutely. And Absolutely. They're not, and, and, they're, and they're focusing on these great moments. And this is why fan uh, the fan trailer, I think people get so excited about fan trailers because someone goes in and they take all of these different clips from 100 different movies and they put them together into something that looks like a really cool trailer for this and what are those it's superman standing up and doing a dramatic pose it's batman punching someone in the face it's a fast car driving by those are moments those aren't that's not story and when you focus on just those little moment parts you're missing out on the greater picture and i think that may be why uh uh, suicide squad fails i don't say fails but it stumbles why batman v superman stumbles why man of steel stumbles specifically man of steel Mm -hmm. because that movie is nothing but moments of these little vignettes of Superman flying or a little kid running around with the cape behind his neck and all that stuff. They're moments. They're not scenes. They're not story. Right. If you, if you want to look at in modern superhero movies, like something being such a huge moment that it basically destabilizes a movie, it's the Quicksilver scene from, uh, days of future past. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, it's so awesome. But it's too awesome that they mm-hmm. basically have to bench the character for the rest of the movie yeah. because then he, they, the good guys would just win mm-hmm. immediately, mm-hmm. right? It's like they basically have to write Quicksilver out of the movie, mm-hmm. right? And you, you know that's how they got that movie made, even. Oh yeah, D- and and this is what I'm concerned about: Wonder Woman, the Wonder Woman standalone film. Is that I think the trailer looks amazing. I love uh, Gail Godot's. The trailer that we saw at Comic Con looks amazing. The trailer that they showed in the theater looked like shit because it was totally re-edited from the the Comic Con uh, trailer. Oh, was it? It was chopped up. It was sliced around. It it was horrible. Yeah, because the the Comic Con thing. That's the one was that great. looks fantastic. But if you paid attention to the one in, that they showed in the theater. It was chopped up and hacked up and barely presented half of what was in the bigger trailer. Mm. And it was, it was, oh, awful. yeah, because they cut out like all of like her family stuff, didn't yes. they, from the trailer? Uh-huh. Right. Um, but that makes me worried about like that movie. It's like, oh, can they just like make really cool trailers and then not give us a really complete story in, a, in, a, in an hour or two hour film? I think Wonder Woman will be fine. 
But will it? I thought Suicide Squad was going to be great. <laughs> Suicide Squad is a is a fine movie. It's no, not a, it's, it's not. A, it's not a great. movie. I don't movie. know if it is. It is not a good I was, movie. I was it so bored during movie. it. It's not a horrible movie, as everyone says. It's not a horrible movie. It's a it's fine so, movie. It's so hard to say that it's a fine movie because it failed like so many times in just general storytelling and plot advancement. That's like. Yeah, there was great moments. I thought the cinematography. So there were some great moments. There were some great moments. There were some some horrible moments. Average it together, you come out with a (laughs) fine movie. But not if there's more garbage parts than like the cinematography. It it is a a solid C, C minus. Because the cinematography in that last Enchantress battle when everything's all blue, that thing, that was so fun to watch. Yeah. But it wasn't like that was a whole movie, but it was was amazing to watch. You said you really liked the directing, you really liked the acting. Yeah. You hated the editing. Yes. You hated the music. Yep. yep. And the general I think, plot I think structure. Basically, uh, and the story was problematic. I mean, it was very problematic. Okay, fine movie. It's a C, C, it's a I, solid okay, C movie. Okay, I guess I'll, I wouldn't call it fine, but I it would say not it's a, a C It is minus. not a solid C movie. A C is average. Average is a movie that you don't like. start to like check your phone during. <laughs> <laughs> Never check my phone. And I was. <laughs> I was so bored through this movie. Like, X2 is a, is a C movie. <laughs> Actually, it might be a little bit better than that, but uh, yeah, I put I put Suicide Squad at at most at a C minus. Would you rather watch Suicide Squad again or Batman v Superman? Oh Lord, that is <laughs> uh, I have not I haven't watched I haven't watched the director's cut, which I'll be watching soon of Batman v Superman. Okay, but just so. like but but like the theater version. Um, I think probably Batman v Superman. I'd rather watch that again. I. I th- I think I might too only because it seems like an easier movie to pan, like to to just like make fun of because Suicide Squad is really all over the place. Like Batman v Superman just takes itself so seriously that you can just like walk through the whole movie just making fun of like anything any individual character says. Yeah. And I'd rather watch Suicide Squad because it's shorter, Um, Mm. which this that is, that is fundamentally the correct answer. Actually, <laughs> you're right. Uh, and this podcast has gone too long this week, but that's because Suicide Squad is just so worthy of talking about. Um, oh, but that's, man, I got so many like little nitpicks about <laughs> I this know. movie. It, like, I, like, we're not even gonna get to them. Like, we're not even gonna so get like individual things. lines. It's just like, why even this? These characters. It's like, what if Superman's bad? It's like none of these guys could stand up to Superman. None of them. <laughs> what are you doing, Waller? Um, Steven, next week we are kind of jumping back into yep. some older movies. Yep, Wild Bunch next Wild week. Wild Bunch. And that was, was that one related to this one or was it related to No Country for Old Men? It's related to No Country for okay, Old so Men. But it also shows, um, and, and what Suicide Squad is doing is it's taking villains and making them heroes. Wild Bunch takes villains, makes them heroes. Okay. Um, the Coen Brothers movies take a lot of really bad, horrible people and try to make you like them. Okay. So we'll see if that's uh, possible with the Wild Bunch. Right. Sam Peckinpah, 1965, oh boy, 64, really something like back that. There. Yeah. All right, great. That'll be uh, a return to the old ways of Zach on film. Uh, in the meantime, while you're waiting for the Wild Bunch episode, head over to Majorspoilers.com where you can find this podcast posting page and give your thoughts about Suicide Squad if you haven't on the site already, or at least comment on what we've talked about for the movie right now. Uh, while you're there, check out all their other podcasts coming from the Major Spoilers Podcast Network, along with reviews and news about comics, movies, and so much more. You're going to enjoy all of it. Uh, while you're there, click on Amazon.com link where you can do all of your Amazon shopping. It's back to school time. 
buy your new graphing calculator and pens and pencils using Amazon. Uh, when you do that, a little bit of that money you spent will go to major spoilers instead of to Amazon. It'll help create great content like this. And uh, in case you missed all the announcements over at Major Spoilers or on Twitter, uh, Major Spoilers has a Patreon now, Stephen. Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. If you appreciate the work that we are providing, these uh, entertainment that we're providing, if you find some value in it, head over to Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. A little bit or a lot, you uh, can do as much or as little as you like. Every little bit goes right back into this show and all the other things that we do at Major Spoilers. Heck yeah. And so that's it for this week's episode of Zach on Film. We'll see you next week. This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.